0: And I'm Marshall Black. Welcome back for another week. We got some good stuff this week.
1: Yeah, we do. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Convincing. I think.
0: Welcome to episode 286 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back to another week of Design Details. We got some good stuff this week, Brian. We do. We got a lot to cover, actually, so we should just get straight into it. Sure. But before we do, we want to thank our sponsor. <laughs> Let's not get straight into it. <laughs> Let's thank our sponsor. So before we get straight into it, be sure to take a
1: minute and check out our good friends at Abstract. Abstract is design workflow management tools that empower design teams and stakeholders to seamlessly manage, version, and collaborate on design files. If you are like most design teams, you're probably working on multiple versions of the same file. You're probably duplicating a lot of work, sending files back and forth to people, having version 1.2, final, underscore, final, dot, sketch, all this stuff. And as a result, you're probably losing work And it's just a lot of effort down the drain. There's a lot of teams out there spending a frustrating amount of time searching for files, exporting them from one tool, importing them into another, trying to consolidate feedback from all these different tools and platforms, getting designers and non-designer stakeholders to give their, their feedback in one place. Uh, It's just a, a giant mess. And so abstract is here to solve that problem. Abstract is your team's version-controlled source of truth for design work. It brings all of your design workflows into a single unified place, not only for your design team, but also for the developers you work with and all the other stakeholders in your company so that you can collaborate and keep work moving forward. It is end-to-end collaboration from versioning your design files and storing them to requesting reviews, gathering the feedback, and then you can even present straight from Abstract And they even let you hand off specs straight to your developers. It is truly end-to-end, and it's all built on a platform that works both on and offline, which is incredible. Just the the technology here is just going to change the way that you and your team work. They have over 100,000 people from design teams like Intuit, Zappos, MailChimp, and thousands of others across 75 countries that are already relying on Abstract to improve their design workflow. As the role of designers, developers, and product managers become more and more intertwined, it's so important for communication and collaboration tools to keep up. So, Abstract is gonna solve this. Right now, they integrate with Sketch, which is the design tool of choice for many product designers. Hopefully you, dear listener, if you're using Sketch, Abstract is for you. But if you are not on Sketch, Abstract is working in 2019 to roll out support for additional design file types from the Adobe suite of apps uh, and beyond. So what to do? Go to goabstract.com. This tool is available on a 30-day free trial today. That's at goabstract.com. You can sign up, you can get your team onboarded, you can start moving all of your design mocks to that single source of truth. It works on and offline, it's going to change the way you collaborate, and a whole lot less time searching for files and overriding each other's work. It's a wonderful tool and a wonderful team. Go to goabstract.com today and get started on that free 30-day trial. Thanks, thanks Abstract. Thanks, Abstract. All right, now we can get into it. Marshall, we have a little bit of follow-up this week. Yeah. Yeah. So this one, I'll, I'll read this tweet after last week's episode. So last week, we talked a little bit about uh, salary negotiation when to bring that up in the in an interview process. And we got a tweet back from, bad with names, bad with <laughs> names. Oh, I'm so sorry, my friend. Mahmood Bashir? Mahmoud Bashir. Is Mahmoud Bashir, friend of the pod, <laughs> uh, says, <laughs> yeah. something I've heard in regards to salary negotiation is to state your number concisely. Then stop talking. That gives you a chance to get the reaction while stopping you from giving signs of low confidence. Marshall how does this strike you?
0: Yeah that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Very smart. Just yeah just like say the thing and step away. I, I have a tendency personally to to soften things and I, I would almost certainly give reasons afterwards why I was asking for that thing but might talk myself out of it or talk them out of it out of it so just shutting up after you say the number is probably probably good advice i think people in general have this deep deep fear there
1: must be some monkey brain reason for this but there's this deep fear of just silence especially in a conversation and most people are very uncomfortable letting a conversation hang for more than a few seconds and actually this is something that i learned with the old format of design details when we were interviewing people every week if we wanted somebody to just continue elaborating on their story, all we had to do was nothing—like literally nothing. Just look at them, give a polite nod, you know, look encouraging, but you don't have to say anything. You raise your eyebrows and do the fast nod. Yeah, and and that that one to two seconds of silence is enough to get people to feel like, oh, I'm supposed to keep going, and that can be a good thing. But in this uh, salary negotiation context, it is possibly a bad thing if you succumb to that. If you you know, if you throw out a number and then it's quiet and you're like, oh, shit, was that too high? Was it too low? Are they laughing at me? Are they thinking I'm crazy? But if you can just sort of relish that silence for a minute, you you come across quite confident and put yourself in a position of power, I think.
0: Bask in the awkwardness. <laughs> bask in it. Yeah. Don't don't be the first one to blink. That's the main thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so great tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Good Good suggestion. Thank you. One other piece of follow up that I wanted to bring up was a thing that happens pretty regularly on the show, but some people might not know about it. How's that for a clickbaity title? Oh <laughs> <laughs> Ten things your podcast host
1: doesn't or wants doesn't want you to know. Uh, shit, how does it go? Yeah,
0: you nailed it, man. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, ten crazy things you might not know about design details. Yeah, so one of the things that Sometimes happens is if if we've said something that our wonderful editor drew Thinks <laughs> deems to be funny enough He will put it either at the beginning of the episode or he'll put it at the very very end after the the outro music the beginning one we call a cold open The end one we call a stinger. If you're like me, like, you know, I'm watching a youtube video or something as soon as people are like all right well thanks for watching make sure you smash that like button hit subscribe i'm like okay back done <laughs> peace quit. done yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> right next video right but don't do that maybe don't do that with us all the time because like sometimes there's something at the end a there's... little treat yeah yeah a little parting quirky uh you know outro from us yeah a little stinger so uh state i don't know if there will be one at the end of this episode Drew, <laughs> yeah, hopefully high, high
1: say... pressure this week
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like you know when you're playing a video game and you know, you you go way out of your way to like check under a stair staircase or something to see if there's there's something secret hidden back there, and you're d- disappointed if there's nothing back there. Well, we we try to put we try to put some you know some secret stuff under the stairway.
1: That's our secret sauce. Is the secret stuff
0: at the end of the show?
1: Cool stingers, love them, Marshall. I have I have some questions for you. Let's move on. I've been thinking about this. I actually mentioned this last week, but I've been thinking about it. A lot, and I'm I'm not quite sure how to process this. Okay, okay. So affordances in design are when the design of the thing basically informs what the thing should do. A great example, as all uh, probably designers have heard from uh, the design of everyday things, is a handle on a door implies that it is meant to be pulled. A flat piece of metal on a door implies it is meant to be pushed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have affordances in digital UI design. And sometimes those affordances get broken or they're slightly mismatched to, to what, you know, the outcome is when you interact with that element. And I have a couple examples, and this is not meant at all to pick on Twitter.com, but I,
0: the, the <laughs> two examples that came to mind were on Twitter.com. Rigby, Rigby, Rigby. Rigby, Rigby. Twitter's great. Actually, when we were talking about this, I gave you a good example of, of a bad affordance, this, this Reddit picture. Oh yes, yes. Uh, we'll have a link to this Reddit photo in the show notes. Yeah, check out the show notes. But, but yeah. the but the short story is it's a it's a little video of uh, a faucet at a restaurant. The handle to turn on the faucet, the the you know, I guess it's a lever, isn't a lever. It's a knob, and it looks like you know a, a water valve that you would you would twist. And when you twist it, nothing happens. And then if you look, there's a on the back wall, there's a little up arrow. And what you're supposed to do is not turn not turn the knob, you're supposed to push it up like a lever to turn on the water. <laughs> which is like the opposite of the thing. Yeah, that's a bad that's a bad affordance. That a knob wants to be turned, it doesn't want to be tilted. Yes, um, yes. A lever wants to be tilted. Right. So so that's a that's a good example of a bad affordance that the yeah, it does not imply the behavior based on its its shape perfect example yeah but sometimes this happens in UI yeah so the two on Twitter again twigby 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 and also I'll say ahead of time I don't think these are bad
1: yeah yeah no that's what actually I think we can get into is is it if this is even bad in the first place but the first one is if you are logged in on the new twitter.com homepage and you'll see two text inputs the first one's in the header And that says search Twitter. And if you focus on that, it acts like an input on a web page. So it focuses, your cursor goes there, and you can type. There's a second input on the page, which is for the composer, and it prompts you what's happening. And this is where they want you to go to start composing a tweet. And if you click on this text input, it does not focus it, and it does not put your cursor there. But instead, it opens a modal, and this modal is the tweet composer modal. So that's the first example of an input that opens a modal. And then the second one, which is much more minor, is in the, the navigation. Uh, they have your profile photo and your name, and there's a little down arrow. And the little down arrow implies that if you click
0: this... Oh, Chevron.
1: Yeah, Chevron facing down. If you click this, it should open a dropdown, but instead it opens... Yeah, you'd
0: expect a little menu to pop out below it. Uh-huh.
1: And in this case, it opens a sidebar. So again, how does this strike you as like, is this even bad? When do we know how to break these rules of of affordances? And like, can we try and understand maybe some of the the constraints that went into these particular decisions? I think maybe these are tangible for people, but obviously there's a lot of these scattered across the web of things that look like they should do a thing, but they don't quite, but maybe they still get you from A to B pretty efficiently.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Like they're enough of a draw. Like they, they, they tease you with the right, you know, they, they, they get you with the right thing enough to click on it and expect the right thing. And and that eventually happens. It might not happen the way you expect it to, but the result is, is what you would expect from that. Right. So for example, the, uh, the account down arrow, the down chevron, like you would expect a menu to come down from there and it would have all of your account type actions that you could do. And that's exactly what happens. It doesn't come down from below there, it comes from the right. But if you were to try and follow, the reason that there's a down arrow is because usually it it pops below, right? But because this comes from the side, which I assume is a more universal design is the reason that they did that. And it probably works good on mobile and I, I think this is the same as on mobile, right?
1: It works the same on mobile, just on the opposite side, more like an iOS
0: drawer. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, so it's it's the same pattern that they're they're using across multiple platforms. And if you were to try and put the arrow in a direction that would imply the direction that the panel pops out, so not down but to the left, that'd be really fucking weird. And I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't know what to expect when I clicked on it, right? Um same thing with like the uh, text field. Yeah, I would expect my cursor to show up and replace the placeholder text of what's happening and put my focus there and stuff. But there you have this other pattern of this overlay text composer, which can probably be on any page. So I don't necessarily have to be doing it in here on the page in this in this text field. So it's like they take you to the place where you want to do the thing and they put your cursor there and you're focused and everything. And it, it makes sense. But it isn't exactly what you would expect, but you get where you're going. So like what you said, you get from A to B. You might not get there how you expected to. But after you, after the first time, you're not surprised anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So is that even bad, right? Like, is it even bad? I don't think so. I don't think so. Then it seems like it
1: it does take some work to know when it is bad and when it's not. Like, Because otherwise, it could be tempting to abuse this pattern of like, we're going to have an input that actually takes you to a separate page and input that opens a modal. And like one of those is worse than the other ones. But having the ability to discern when that's the case might be a little trickier.
0: I mean, this is probably a just a very smart way to conserve engineering effort, right? Instead of rebuilding the text entry on this page for this one particular use case, when you have this kind of global use case of wanting to have a tweet composed from any page, why would you build it twice when you can just have one thing linked to the universal thing, right?
1: Well, saving dev effort is a whole other can of worms, I think, in terms of
0: how that should inform the design, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But this is part of a redesign, so my guess is that they tried to put the wood, the the most wood behind the fewest number of arrowheads. Is that the metaphor? Whoa. You know what I'm talking about? The most wood behind the fewest number of arrows. Yeah, m- more wood, fewer arrows. Think that's the. Is that the saying?
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. I've never heard that.
0: <laughs> yeah, more wood, fewer arrow. I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, but sure. How to, What's what does it mean? yeah, basically, it means focus on a single product and be the best in it do fewer things better than more things worse. I can't think of a more perfect segue into our next topic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we move on from affordances?
0: Sure. yeah. I just thought that was interesting to call out those things because the affordance is wrong, but it's not that bad. It's, you still you, it's, it actually might be better than what would make more sense because this this gets you to click better, probably, right? Who. Uh, man,
1: I want to talk about a gray area of, of design patterns is, mm-hmm. is making things that people's monkey brains want to click more than another thing. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh, maybe for another week we can <laughs> dive into that one. Sure. Uh, we'll we'll dive we'll dot dot into
0: the monkey brains later. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a temple of doom reference in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Somebody knows what I'm talking about.
1: Well, let's swing our way over to the next segment of the app on our trusty design lasso mm-hmm. How about that? <laughs> don't forget your hat don't forget your hat grab it as the door from affordances slams closed closes yeah. behind us we're ready to talk about a new app launch this week this week the team and by team i mean the two people duo the duo behind halide camera have released a new app and it is called specter and it is for taking smart long exposures on your
0: iPhone device, yeah, you, you have sung the praises of Halide previously on this show, I believe. Yeah, we did like a pretty deep dive on, on an episode a while
1: back, I think when i was in japan yeah that's right so historically long exposures i'm reading from the marketing page uh dear listeners so historically long exposures have been limited by a lot of technical factors the main one being having the camera remain steady this is why people own tripods is so that they don't have to hold a camera to take a long exposure at night or in low light but computers are somehow making this a lot easier and so the 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 Duo that made Halide has made Spectre, which is an AI-powered shutter for your iPhone that lets you create amazing long exposures. So it does a couple cool things, or like two main features, I would say. So one, well, three. The first one is you can remove objects from a scene. So imagine you're taking a long exposure of a bridge and you really, really wish that you could remove all of the cars from that bridge it'll help you do that. Or like if you're taking a photo of a a busy sidewalk and you don't want any people in that photo. Uh, The second is doing light trails at night if you want to get a nice light trail photo. And the third is they basically have wrapped all these features into the ability to capture as a live photo. So you can sort of watch a live uh, light trail form as a video artifact that you could then maybe export as a GIF and upload to social media or something like that. So Marshall, uh, I sent you the app uh, before we started recording the episode, and uh, I think we wanted to spend a few minutes diving into what we like, what we don't like, uh, maybe some tweaks that could be made. Uh, You want to kick us off, though?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't want to, I haven't used this app too much yet, like the actual function of it, but I've poked around the UI. So this is purely a UI review. Yeah, so I think there are some obvious cool things about this app. So let's pick this thing apart, Brian. Let's get into those design details, Marshall. Yeah. And I think the the first thing to say here is that this, this, it's really good. Yeah. I don't
1: think we can Rigby this enough. Like
0: this is a good high-quality piece of software. The first thing that strikes me is that the the interface is simple in a way that it has gotten rid of all of the things that I probably would have put in if I were designing this, right? So the restraint is pretty impressive to me because I know that I would have made this worse if it were left only to me. So. That's a compliment. Um, <laughs> so okay, let's so so let's talk about the good things, the things that they fucking kill. So first off, the name. I really like the name from a marketing standpoint, like Spectre. First off, I get James Bond vibes, which, you know, that's a plus right out of the gate. But also, because this is doing a ghostly image type thing, like Spectre is a great that's a great name. Um they also got Spectre.cam for their website, which is also a good URL. But okay, so we we open the app, and I think the first thing that that stood out to me is how the launch icon is so well tied to the uh, capture button. Yeah, there's a through line here
1: of like the circle lines, lines forming circles.
0: Yeah, this nice concentric circle and the green color, like good tie in from the home screen inside the app. Like I I look at this, I know exactly what it is. It kind of looks, it looks like an S. And it and it has those green lines, concentric circles, but it also feels like a camera lens too, right? Yep. It's good. It's good. Okay, so I go into the app, and the first thing I noticed is the stabilizer, which is a little piece of UI in the center right above the capture icon that tells you whether or not your image is stable, which I uh, assume is a very necessary part of uh, actually capturing something good in this app. I'm I'm guessing you probably would want a tripod, but this, if you don't have one, this will let you know whether or not you're actually holding your camera stable, or holding the phone stable. And I don't know if you've whipped this thing around at all, Brian. Oh, but I like, have. It goes, it goes buck wild. Yeah. Yeah, this <laughs> thing got some springs <laughs> on it, man. It's all over the place. I love it. Very low tension, I think, is the the <laughs> yeah. variable here. Yeah, exactly. Low tension, and and the rotation is nice too. Like it, <laughs> it, that thing flops all over the place. <laughs> Maybe that's the wrong verb. Yeah, but you know, you know, it's stable. Actually. This will tie
1: in a little bit more to one of the cons, I think. But uh, you know that you're holding your phone stable if the
0: word stable appears. As soon as your phone's wriggling too much, the word disappears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to keep that little mini phone inside the square, and you want to see that word stable. And it's green, too, so you know it's kind of an active part of the app. And that's another aspect here is that the app only uses two colors, right? It's, there's white, and there's this product green. It's like a sage, mint. It's like like a, a neon mint, yeah. Yeah. So, the, like you mentioned before, this is made by the same people who made Highlight, and one of the things we both loved about Highlight is how well it used the ears of the uh, iPhone screen and, and the corners around the notch to actually display information and make those, the, that, that part of the screen useful instead of just being a far corner that you try to ignore and you put the top and make it black and try to forget there's a notch. So, in the top left there's your light Streams setting what's it called light trails and it's green so it shows you that this thing is is tappable In the top right There's a brightness icon like a little Sun um, And when you tap on it it doesn't turn green But what it does do is bring up the uh, brightness indicator UI uh, on the right side that you can manually slide up and down yourself but you also realize that you don't necessarily have to slide up and down on the Sun itself you can uh, even when that ui is not showing you can slide up and down anywhere on the viewfinder to to change your brightness and when the brightness is anything other than zero default it is also that same minty color which is nice cuz anything that is active on screen or can be interacted with uses that same key color which yep. i like the the unification here so down the bottom right, we have a little dial. And I think it's interesting to see this dial in the corner. Normally a dial like this would be center aligned, like maybe above the capture button or something like that. But uh, they took it in the corner, which I really like. It's it's nice, it, it balances out the UI a bit, and you just kind of want to rotate it, right? You want to you spin the dial. You want to play with it, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it feels good too. You can throw it around and it's got little haptics. As it pops between the different numbers, three, five, nine. It's got like a nice uh, spring
1: animation to it. The numbers, the numbers move away from where your finger might be placed, so
0: that you can read the numbers if you're, you know, fat fingering it like I am. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yep. If you're left-handed, this is probably a little bit tougher than if you're right-handed, but it still works. So I thought that was interesting to, to tuck that in the corner and it feels good. Yeah. Agreed. There's uh, we, we skipped past the onboarding, which chronologically would have been before all this stuff, but uh, there's a pretty good onboarding flow. Do you want to talk about that, Brian?
1: Yeah, I, I haven't gone through it in a minute, but they basically have a playbook, I feel like at this point, or at least a two-app playbook. So Halide did, did the same thing and uh, Spectre executed while well here is that when you actually start up the app for the first time, they have a really, really well-designed onboarding flow walking you through the individual features, what each piece of the UI will do and and what it can be used for.
0: Yeah, I think that my favorite onboarding experiences are those that have the UI or some form of the you know final UI as part of the onboarding flow. So you, you're kind of in this little play area that you can't fuck anything up. You can only do one thing, like tap on the shutter button or something like that. But it's it's teaching you to use the app by making you tap on things and you're kind of... It's not just a bunch of screens with text and images that you swipe between or like press skip as fast as you can. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, no, you have to actually interact with this thing. And the interaction you're doing here is the interaction you'll be doing later, many, many times as you use the app, right? Instead of just. Okay, swipe through or let me read this thing. Here's here's what you would be doing if you were using the app, but you're not using the app right now. So, just try to imagine you're using this app, right?
1: Yeah, imagine you're you're standing in front of a picturesque bridge and not sitting on your toilet, which is where I assume most people download apps. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. I don't know. Is that a safe assumption? 80% of app downloads are in the bathroom?
0: Uh, a, a large percentage, I think, <laughs> would probably be a fair bet, yeah. Okay, thanks. So yeah, the interactive tutorial is one of one of my favorite things, and this, this does it really well, so I wanted to call that out.
1: They basically carry that through as well into the products. So once you get through that interactive onboarding, you land in, I don't know, the home screen of the app. And the settings icon has a little badge next to it, which, you know, monkey brain sees a red dot. You tap the red dot. And what they're doing is prompting you to basically continue. It's a mint dot
0: here, but yes. yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: But the dot, it's, yeah, you click the dot and tap the dot. Sorry. Oh, my God. I said click. Mm -hmm. You tap the dot and you are prompted to go into a screen called what you can do with Spectre. And again, this is just a really beautiful, it's almost like a miniature blog post. There's three of them. Uh, so you can it teaches you how to make people disappear from a shot in a crowded place, it shows you how to use the light trail features and shows you how to get uh, soft exposure of of a water feature like a waterfall or a river. And so- This is
0: not interactive though, sadly. Not interactive, yeah. Again, it's like a blog post.
1: But uh, I think the point here being is they do this really, it's nice, they they front load you with the education, but then they provide a way to basically get back to that if you ever forget or again, you open the app, You download it for the first time in the bathroom, and then two days later, you're like, "Oh shit, I downloaded that thing. This is a perfect time to use it." (laughs) Two days you're in the bathroom, you're like, "Oh shit," (laughs) (laughs) because you're in the bathroom. (laughs) I want to get this uh, silky smooth water in my toilet. (laughs) Wow. No, you know, a couple days later, you you open it up. You want to remember how to do things, and they don't leave you hanging. And I think that's important, is you get the front loaded information, but they assume that you'll forget it quickly, and so you have a way to get back to it, which is useful. So, these are a bunch of good things, Marshall. Do we want to dive into maybe some things that, you know, acknowledging that this is literally the V1.0 of the product? uh, (laughs) Things that we might, or things we notice that could be tweaked or might
0: not make total sense? So, first off, they have a beautiful marketing page. That's another pro. Spectre.cam, yeah. Spectre.cam, R E.cam. But there's no favicon.
1: No favicon.
0: Favicon? Favicon? Oh, how do you pronounce it? We should do a poll. Uh, In my head, I usually say Favicon. I say Favicon.
1: Okay. Yeah, no Favicon. I tweeted it, uh, Sebastian, just before we started recording this episode. So it's very possible that when you hear this, there will be a Favicon. But
0: no Favicon. Yeah, so that went from like a five-star app to a one-star app. (laughs) So one of the things that I noticed is that, as I mentioned earlier, the the brightness indicator in the top right ear to the the right of the notch is uh, grayed out unless you have changed it from the default. Likewise, on on the top left, I would expect for the light trails if it is in its off state to also go gray and potentially not even have the label off, but just go to a gray light bulb um, to follow the same pattern as the one on the right with brightness. Instead, it stays minty and says off. I think that's a little inconsistent. What do you think, Brian?
1: I think we've encountered the fundamental flaw of using green as a primary brand color because green in UI is so often interpreted as an on state or like a success thing. So for example, I interpret this stable box being green, that the green color means it is stable, not that the green color is a brand color indicating it is tappable. And so I feel the same way about the ear interactions, like does green mean auto is on? Like it's activated or is
0: it green because it's tappable? Yeah. Because if you tap the stable thing, it turns off and turns gray. No, that's
1: what I'm saying is that that's the confusion of green meaning good, but also being indicating that it is a tappable thing.
0: Yeah. No, I I think it's more of a activity state. Is this thing enabled or not? Right. Which is true of the brightness slider. It's true of the stabilizer no I, I get it like once once you start playing with everything it should be true of the off light yes trails right right, right. Yeah. yeah okay we agree we okay agree. i think we agree i yeah. thought we were fighting there for a second oh shit. <sighs> oh we almost crisis more. avoided <laughs> all right
1: confrontation okay. avoided i think that's the <laughs> yeah. real win here
0: yeah <laughs> but yeah that threw me off a little bit I, I think it could be even simpler if if you turn it off that way i know without even having to look up in the top left if i've got this thing set to off or not if it's on auto or if it's on on, I would expect it to be, to use that. And I think the way that they do auto is, if it can work, the bulb fills in, and if it's not gonna, if it's gonna auto to off, it will be a black centered bulb. Does that make sense?
1: You're saying that's how it works right
0: now? Yeah, I think that's how it works. I think that's how it works, right? Yeah, so so those are the two states, but really what it could be is, it could be uh, gray and green, right? So yes. that I know that if that if I see green up in that top left corner, it is. It is going to, to do the. Auto. It's going to be on. If it's gray, it's going to be off. Agreed on that. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. So there's some interesting uh, card metaphors going on here. So if I tap on the latest photo in the bottom left, and, and I go into my one up lightbox mode, I uh, it, it pops up, and and I go into this new view where I have a header, and I have a footer, a toolbar at the bottom with some actions. At the top, I have a navigation bar. That has uh, uh, I can go uh, to the left and get to a grid view, or I can uh, pull down because there's a little handle at the top that says pull down. The weird thing though is I can't pull down from that handle. I have to pull down on the image itself. I can tap the handle and that will do the thing, right? That will that will close this view. And but if I pull down on the image, the handle is attached loosely to the photo itself, and as I pull down, the header pushes out and the footer pushes out. So this card metaphor is is familiar to people who have uh, Apple Music. This is kind of like this uh, m- more native iOS thing that Apple's doing, so I, I applaud them for following that pattern. But it's interesting that unlike Apple Music, Apple Music doesn't have a nav bar to deal with. So. Having to push the nav bar up and the toolbar down as you as you drag the the photo down, is kind of a new interaction. The the card still comes forward from the background, right? It right. presents forward in, in the Z index, but it's interesting to see what they did with having having a, a nav bar. I think it's fine. The weird thing is there's a similar card metaphor when you go into settings. This is a little bit more traditional, like how the uh, Apple Music one is. But as I pull down the card in the background, the the my normal shutter view moves forward to a point and then just stays locked there. It's like it gets stuck. Mm -hmm. It gets stuck and only when I complete the swipe down gesture does does it fill the screen. Right. Minor inconsistency there. Yeah. I I don't know if that should be smooth the entire way. If it maybe it would be too slow, you know, if they were accounting for the full distance, you need to drag it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. I'm sure that was considered uh, because
0: it definitely seems like it's stopping intentionally at that like halfway point. Yeah. This is definitely a choice they made. Yeah. It just feels weird to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, Also, one thing, while you're in that one-up photo lightbox mode, you can swipe left and right between photos, which is nice, but they don't lock to the horizontal scroll axis so you get a little bit of the the uh, nav bar and the toolbar kind of popping in and out if you don't swipe perfectly horizontally which is a little jarring each time
1: yeah and you could accidentally dismiss the uh, the viewer itself by having a little bit of an angle going down like if you swiped a few left and then you're going back to the right and you were kind of swiping a little bit down you could actually close the
0: the lightbox view
1: mm hmm mm-hmm.
0: Another thing that I noticed is that on the viewfinder, you have your little 1x button at the bottom, which is very similar to the to the stock camera app. And on the stock camera app, you can tap that 1x and it goes to 2x, which is over to the 2x camera, tap it again and goes back to 1x. Or you can drag it to the left or to the right to go to some state in between 1x and 2x. But you can't do that here, which is a little bit weird because the, the rest of the UI is, is exactly the same, or the, kind of, the rest of the interaction is similar. But um, I would almost expect, like, obviously they don't want to do any Xs between 1 and (laughs) 2, but it'd be nice to have, to, to recognize that the drag gesture would be something somebody would want to do. And if you encounter a horizontal drag originating from the 1X or 2X button to maybe... Have some sort of transition that implies that, okay, you're on 2x, but you're dragging to 1 now, and you're 1 going to 2, like, ghosted in from the right or from the left, right?
1: Yeah, I think I can understand the trade-off. Like, they didn't want anything between 1 and 2, so then dragging becomes
0: weird because it is a binary option. But still acknowledge that people might do that dragging thing.
1: Yeah, then you're battling against, like, uh, muscle memory from, from the platform.
0: Exactly, yeah. So you could still keep it locked down to one and two but do something to acknowledge that that gesture exists and people might do it and do the right thing when they do do that. Yeah, totally. Do do. Do do when they do do that right thing. Uh, And the last little uh, nit I would like to pick is I guess I would call this uh, UI timeouts, like timeouts, cooldowns um, or cancels. So if I tap on the light trails auto button in the top left, it pops down and what i would expect is if i were to say tap the camera flip icon to turn the camera around to use the selfie or if i were to go into settings it would automatically dismiss that ui it's almost like i'm, I'm invoking this ui to do do something inside of it and as soon as i do anything else it, it should close itself up and go back into the corner which it doesn't and it, it never times out it just stays up there all the time, I would expect either there to be, after a certain number of seconds, this thing reverts back to its default state, or um, when I interact with anything else, this thing goes back to its default state. Or both, actually, yep. preferably. preferably. Is that what you would want? hmm Yeah, same thing with the brightness slider. When you tap the top right corner, it brings up the brightness slider, but it never goes away. So you can have both of these things on top of your <laughs> viewfinder covering the image, and they just never get rid of themselves which I would like them to get rid of themselves. No offense to these little pieces of UI. They're very wonderful and I like them, but they need to go away
1: sometimes. <laughs> After five seconds or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm done with you. <laughs> Be gone. Right, right. So that's that's it for the cons. That's all the negative things we have to say. And they're not even necessarily negative. It's just interesting. Like, oh, here's kind of what I would expect or maybe a little bit more p- polished. Not that this is unpolished, but all right, I'm talking myself into a hole. I know,
1: I know. <laughs> I I think we're just trying to to caveat or like, not come across as just jerks to sebastian and ben who who built this app because it is very good
0: Yeah, yeah yeah it's more of just like wow this is so good oh here's a few things like oh man how much better would it be it's like people are really really good at noticing things that are
1: slightly off like a room could be perfect immaculately clean but if a chair is slightly askew. Your eye is immediately drawn to the one thing that's out of order.
0: Yeah, the better something is, the more easy it is to notice the parts that aren't perfect. Yeah, and and the smaller the things that are noticeable become. Yeah, yeah, so caveat, 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 but this is good. Okay, right, so... Listeners, hope you enjoyed this uh, visual format. I hope you downloaded the app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at painting pictures with my words, but hopefully that made sense to you. If you imagine just a normal camera app, this is this is pretty in line with what you'd expect.
1: I highly recommend downloading this. It's called Spectre. We'll have links to it in the show notes. We'll have links to the the App Store. It's a few bucks, uh, well worth it. And you're gonna. I'm really excited to. I'm watching uh, both. Ben Sandowski and, and Sebastian DeWitt's Twitter account because they're starting to tweet out photos that people are taking with the app. And it's pretty incredible what's possible now with, I guess you would call this computational photography. So absolutely incredible. Well done to, to those two. And yeah, I hope listeners will go check out that app and, and support support this uh, development partnership. All right, Marshall, let's wrap up. I have a cool thing this week, which is going to be cool only to me, uh, but I think maybe you'll, you'll appreciate it. And that is Yesterday, Friday, as of the time we're recording this, uh, we signed a lease in New York City.
0: Hey, Heyo. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Nice. So we,
1: uh, we move in March 15th. Cool, man. So we got a couple weeks, uh, but we have a place. We are very, very excited. So that is my cool
0: thing of probably the year is finally getting a place in New York. So, yeah. Feels good, man. Drop an anchor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're building new foundations. I like it. Yes. Are you happy? I'm very happy. I'm like, I haven't been this excited in a while. Uh, It feels really, really good. One of the scariest things I can imagine, which might give you an indication of how my brain works, is trying to find an apartment in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. uh, It's not easy. It is expensive. It is competitive.
1: And the apps in this industry are still years behind. So Suboptimal. Suboptimal, I would say. Uh, Actually, the the app here is pretty good. So they, they don't use Craigslist here. They use an app called Street Easy. And it's actually not bad, but they just face the same fundamental problems of every app like this, which is fake photos, fake listings, misleading text, things like that, which has nothing to do with the app. It has everything to do with the the trust that you put in the content on the app and that's just a whole other can of worms so
0: anyways do you have a cool thing for me this week marshall okay here's my here's my cool thing so offline just now i I walked you through several of music videos for a musical artist named Billie eilish were you familiar with her before this i'd heard of the name and then when you
1: started listing off titles of songs it she became familiar uh but I, i hadn't associated her with the the songs before
0: okay well, I fucking love her. I think she's amazing. I love her music, but her music videos are Buck Wild. really good production value, especially considering she's so young. like she has this whole machinery making making these amazing music videos. And I think a lot of them are her ideas. But if you're in the mood to be like kind of weirded out, but also in awe, <laughs> I, I would recommend a few music videos. So the first one would be, if you're if you have arachnophobia, don't watch this video. But you should see me in a crown, which is a fucking banger of a song, but also uh, in the music video, despite being filmed in vertical video, is is her with a bunch of spiders, and they're real spiders. They're real spiders. It's not CG, they're real. <laughs> These are real spiders. We were Which makes it worse. This is not a drill. <laughs> yeah. So this is that one. There's another one that has Really interesting practical effects called uh, when the party's over. It's a very simple video, very powerful. It's like just a one take, one shot. It's called a oneer, and oh, maybe 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 there's a couple cuts, but it looks like it's CG. It looks like it could be CG. How are they doing that? Not CG. There's a little bit of you know painting out of of things, but it's real. I don't want to get too far into it. Just watch the video. It's real and it's awesome. I I feel bad for the people who had to reset every time that they did a take. Uh, And the third one I would recommend, you should watch all of these, but the the third one I would recommend is Bury a Friend, which is I think one of her newest songs that she's released. It's going to be on the new album, but it's like a recurring nightmare that happens three times throughout the video. And like, she's like the monster under the bed and some really cool practical effects and yeah interesting it's all it's all very creepy it's like a horror movie kind of i, w- I would recommend all of her videos belly ache hostage is really good it's got some like contemporary dance and hostage she used to be a dancer so yeah Billie eilish the 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 work of Billie eilish is my cool thing this week check her out she's fucking awesome done cool things indeed all right good stuff sweet good episode hopefully i didn't sound too out of it this week i've, I've been traveling i just got back i'm jet lagged as hell i think if anything
1: (laughs) i sounded more out of it than you did i think you held up
0: great so (laughs) thank you for for doing it yeah yeah uh, i'm gonna go crash after this
1: (laughs) yeah i'm with you uh so let's wrap up everybody thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the show if you did let us know we're on twitter we're at design details fm hit us up uh let us know what you thought of the show send us questions send us feedback uh what can we be doing better what uh, are we doing that's good we love hearing the that feedback and reading those tweets Uh, Before you go, be sure to check out Abstract. Abstract is a design workflow management tool for modern design teams. Abstract is like GitHub, but for designers, it's your team's version-controlled source of truth for design work. It brings all of your workflows into a single, unified place for not only your design team, but also for your developers and the stakeholders in your company so that you can keep your work moving forward. In just the last two years, they have over 100,000 designers spending less time searching for files and more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. You should sign up for free today on that 30-day trial by going to goabstract.com. Again, that's a 30-day free trial when you go to goabstract.com. So thank you, Abstract. Uh, Go check them out. Great tool. Great team. Thanks, Abstract. And of course, thank you to Sarah and Drew, our editors, producers, and masterminds behind the show that make us sound less tired than we are. I I hope this week. (laughs) Hopefully, we sound less tired than we actually were when we recorded this. Sarah and Drew are also the brains behind many other podcasts on the SPEC network. So if you need more podcasts for your ears, go to spec.fm. We've got tons of shows for designers and developers just like you. I think that's it. Go listen to more podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter and uh, check out Abstract. Anything else, Marshall? Nope, that does it. Stay tuned for that stinger. (laughs) That stinger that's for sure coming.
0: (laughs) Yeah, after the music. Wait for it.
1: Wait for it. And even if it sounds like the episode's over and your podcast app is you know says it's not playing anything anymore just wait a little longer <laughs> you never know you never
0: know all right brian thanks for another great episode yeah get some rest and we'll catch up next week we will do bye
1: Or what if we don't have a stinger for this episode? And they listen all the way to the end. And they're like, what the fuck? These
0: guys just lied straight to my ears. Um, we'll just have to be funny enough during the body of this episode. <laughs> but you're so tired. That's yeah, true. But Okay, let's be extra funny this episode, for sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Got to give Drew lots of material. Yeah.
1: Tell me a joke. Uh,
0: all right. <laughs> I'm not a monkey. Well. I, I don't, I'm not here to perform for you.
1: Well... <laughs> We need to talk kid. we need to talk about your expectations on this podcast Marshall <laughs> okay. uh uh-huh. uh-huh.